Okay, we're listening to Ultrasonic Film. As always, I'm your host, James, talking about movies, movies, and more movies. And I have a very special guest right now, Clark Johnson, director and actor, joining us here to talk about his latest film and his career. Clark, welcome to Ultrasonic Film. Well, thanks for having me, James. Oh, no problem at all. Now, of course, uh, one of the big reasons we're going to be talking to you today is going to be Percy. Now, uh, Percy, of course, was uh, shot, most of it, uh, or a lot of it was shot in and around Winnipeg and Manitoba, wasn't it? Exactly. Awesome. Now, this, of course, is the new film with uh, Christopher Walken, and uh, it's got Christina Ricci in it as well. It's a true life story, a very passionate, powerful story, and I, I got to tell you, it definitely looks like something you really believed in. Yeah, I, I came to believe in it. I didn't know a thing about it until I didn't know the difference between canola and corn oil until I started getting and diving in, and then I got totally, uh, totally intrigued. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it's quite interesting. Your career is, uh, is quite diversified. Not only are you a director and an actor, but a lot of the films that you've directed are quite different as well. For instance, I, I don't know if there'd be too much in common between Percy and SWAT. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I could, we could we delve into a master's uh, degree in film type conversation um, about the connections between, you know, human beings in, in the universal story. But other than that, you're right. Well, you know, running around with guns in, in L.A. is a little different than SWAT and uh, canola in, in Manitoba. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, of course, Saskatchewan, of course. Of course. And, and now, uh, you know, I got, I got to tell you, in Hollywood, of course, a lot of people, as you know, kind of get pigeonholed into the same kind of material. But clearly, uh, you've definitely done all kinds of material, both as an actor and a director. Is there a favorite genre you like to work in? Well, it's funny, you know, I, 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 it's always been that way for me. I started doing this when I was nine years old as an actor, um, you know, and did four, four uh, Broadway show touring shows with my siblings. And then I, uh, then I started off in production. Mm -hmm. I went to Loyola Film School at Concordia in Montreal, and I started off in production. So I, I've always been sort of all over the place and in, in, uh, in inquisitively looking at different ways to, to uh, make a living in this business. So it's, it's been, uh, I, I did a Broadway show last, uh, just before we started prep on this, I was on Broadway singing and dancing with James Earl Jones. So. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Of course, as an actor, a lot of people would probably most recognize you from Homicide, Life on the Street. You were on that show for quite some time. Yeah, from beginning to end, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that really got me going. That and, and Sonny Grasso's Night Heat in Toronto. There you go. That works out well. But you know where I uh, recognize you from? It's one of my uh, uh, favorite films from my youth, and that's Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> yeah. What do you remember about that one? I, that was my first... Um, First job out of theater school that were, they paid me to get on a plane and fly to Chicago. And I, the per diem, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I took the money and I took all the little bottles in the, in a mini bar. I didn't know I had to pay for them. That was my first, that's how I remember that film. <laughs> yeah. You were the gang leader that went up against on Elizabeth the subway, Shue yeah. there in the subway. Very, very memorable part. And uh, it was, I, I rewatched it just before our chat with you again. So I, I, I had to bring it up. Yeah, it's funny. People people stop me that are, you know, grown people such as yourself stop me and say, yeah, I remember as a little kid, I saw that. I go, oh boy. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, it's quite uh, quite a, 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 a long career. When, when did you first get into directing? Because you started in acting, as you mentioned, but when did you first get into directing? Well, I think the first thing I directed, other than film school stuff, was uh, my, my sister Molly's, uh, one of her music videos. Mm -hmm. I, I did a couple of her music videos, and then I, I started to really say, you know what, I really like the idea of directing. And uh, I, I got a, a couple of, I did a half hour uh, show for, um, for um, that I, the first time I really directed professionally as a grown-up was in, in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then, the, the next thing was Homicide, and I ended up directing, I think, the most of anybody on Homicide, which got me up and running. And that's great to be able to direct a show you're actually in because everybody knows you, and uh, there's a comfort level there, I would imagine. Right, and that's, that was the thing about being in South Africa. The, Barry Levinson and Tom Fontana said, we're not letting actors direct. You have to be a, we're only hiring directors. So my friend Sean Ryerson <clears throat> uh, offered me a role on that show, and I said, I'll play that role if you let me direct one or two. And I directed two, and that got me into Homicide. So 
Everything's it, going it to hooked work. you and you and you never look back. Yeah. <laughs> I but gotta it's... ask you about Percy, of course. Of course. Uh, you've got Christopher Walken in the lead. Christopher Walken doesn't do a lot of leads. He's done some in his career, but he's usually in a supporting role. So mm -hmm. how is having Christopher Walken in the lead of your film? He was wonderful, you know. It, it, when we first started bouncing that around, the idea around, I said, "Yeah, a guy from Queens playing Saskatchewan canola farmer. It's it's a no brainer." <laughs> <laughs> um, but he really embraced it and really got inside that guy, and uh, I I think the Schmeiser family is really happy. Um, I I told uh, I told the Schmeiser family that we couldn't get uh, Humphrey Bogart, so we we had to settle for Christopher Walken if that was okay. <laughs> but he was great you know and and uh he really wanted to, to to play this guy and really do this and you know he was game he, he learned to drive a combine wow wow yeah uh, that's good it's throwing yourself into the role i have yeah. to ask you uh, you also used a local actor who i've chatted with in the past here on the show uh adam beach how did of he work course. out well adam adam was in my pre the, my film previous to that Oh. Adam was, was a love interest in Juanita, which I think you might still find on Netflix. And, and he was a uh, cool. Alfred Woodard's love interest. And, and I've known him um, before that, but uh, we, I, I, I really liked the guy and, and I really liked working with him. And, and uh, uh, we thought it'd be great for him to play a farmer and just come in and, and uh, kick it around with us in his hometown. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's, uh, that sounds good. And now, I, of course, I got to ask you about working with both uh, Winnipeg actors and Winnipeg crews. It's always nice to hear how someone uh, who comes into, uh, into Manitoba finds working with our, our crew, cast and crew. Uh, it, was, it was great. I, I was expecting no less. You know, it's funny. We were, the story, as you know, is set in Saskatchewan, and, and they lost their tax deal. And so <laughs> we ended up shooting in Manitoba, which ended up working fine for us. And, and uh, the, a great crew base, as you mentioned, in, in uh, my first ID, Jason Blum, was, is from Saskatchewan. But... Primarily, the crew is a Winnipeg-based, and my DP uh, uh, Luke Montpellier is from Sudbury, which is close enough. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was great crew, and you know, really a diverse um, uh, uh, group of actors that we we assembled there. Uh, and, and in this case, I'm talking about background. Right. We we didn't know whether we'd be able to get to India or not, so we shot the conference in Winnipeg. And I said, how are we going to cast an international um, conference? of, of um, agro experts and, and come on, how are we going to get people from it? And it, it's amazing. You know, there's so many people that have landed in Winnipeg from all around the world. We peopled that place. It was like a United Nations uh, event, you know, <laughs> which, which was a pleasant surprise. We did end up getting to go to India, but we shot some of the interiors in, in, uh, in, in Winnipeg, as I, as I said, in case we didn't go. And I was really happy with the, with the people we cast there. Well, that's, uh, that sounds awesome. It's always great to hear that uh, people coming in uh, have that kind of experience. You yourself have a bit of a Canadian connection as well, don't you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I got, still have a house in Toronto. I'm a dual citizen. I'm uh, you know, easily going back and forth. My kids were born there. I, 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 uh, you know, that's I nice. It's nice to be able to be able to, especially in the business that you're in, uh, use both the United States and Canada and being able to uh, facilitate both because sometimes it's best to shoot in different places, of course. Yeah, and, and the, the Canadian connection really helped me with my international career because uh, with the Commonwealth thing, I, I ended up being able to go shoot in England and then I started, you know, I've spent a lot of time overseas, uh, abroad working as well because, because I could. Now, thanks to our dear Donald Trump, it's hard for me to travel, but, um, I, I uh, you know, as as a Canadian, it was easier and 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 more respect receptive, and 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 so I have both. Yeah, certainly. Now, of course, uh, a lot of people might ask you, "What do you prefer, acting or directing?" But I want, I, I the, my question actually is, is acting a more relaxing for you than directing? Uh, I don't know about relaxing. Again, it depends on the role. I, I did a great series with uh, with. Um, uh, Gary Trudeau and, and uh, it, it was starring I was on an ensemble cast with um, with jeez um, uh, 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 John John Goodman oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, imagine forgetting his name John Goodman and, and uh, Bill Murray <laughs> and a great cast and so that was the, uh, we, we lasted two seasons on Amazon I, I think we, we got canceled in 17 or something um, yeah. but that wasn't, it wasn't that it was relaxing. It was just such a change of pace. Uh, I hadn't really done much comedy since uh, Second City. 
Um, but uh, so it was fun to play that role. I didn't feel any pressure at all. Now, when I'm directing myself, that sucks. <laughs> because there's too many, it's two, two completely different uh, uh, mindsets, you know. Uh, as a as a director, I'm looking at everybody's work and 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 trying to blend everybody's work together. And as an actor, you focus on what you're doing and how you bring that particular element to the story. So um, I, I find it harder to direct myself. Otherwise, just to go and and kick it around as an actor on on somebody else's show is fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, when you said directing yourself, it, it kind of sucks. I was thinking of that scene in SWAT where you get uh, hit with that uh, flying object. There was that something you wanted to do to yourself? <laughs> no, it was funny because they kept sending me. You know, Sony casting. Uh, you know, uh, uh, studio casting kept sending me. Um, uh, you know, Telemundo type actors. You know, beautiful. Uh, you know, Spanish looking uh, actors. Instead of I wanted, I wanted indigenous looking. I wanted real people that look like they're from Central America. So we just street cast and we found this woman and she was great and she was engaging and funny and she didn't speak English, but she was great. As soon as the cameras rolled, she froze. And I went, oh my God, now what am I going to do? So I said, the best thing to do is uh, if, when somebody can't is, is nervous about acting, the easiest emotion to play is anger. So I, we gave her, that was a real frying pan, by the way. <laughs> we gave her the frying pan. And then I just added the stunt. I just fell over the railing. I just fell over the railing just for fun after that. Oh, man, oh, man. And we're talking to you right now in New York City? Yeah. Sorry, oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. Man, oh, man. So I, I got to ask you, were you tempted to cameo yourself there in per Percy? I saw Percy. It's a very good film. If you snuck yourself in there, I didn't catch it. No, I wouldn't have found I, – I don't I, – I, I usually I, – I don't necessarily do that just to do it. You know, if there's a role that's interesting or if – like in, in my film Boycott, here's a funny farm story. I forgot about this. Uh, we came to set one day, you know, halfway through filming the film Boycott. It was about Martin Luther King uh, mm -hmm. set in, uh, in Alabama. And uh, a lot of the local actors had other jobs. And, and we, we uh, came to set. My ID goes, we're down one actor. And I said, what, what happened to, to this particular actor? Is he okay? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, it, it's, it's going to rain, so he couldn't come in. I said, well, get him a freaking umbrella. No, he, he is an alfalfa <laughs> farmer. He had to get his crop up. Oh. oh. I swear to God. So I said, well, shit, I'll play the guy. So I went and got into period clothes, and I played the, the <laughs> reporter from, from uh, the, the Montgomery uh, newspaper because so the guy didn't show. <laughs> often from necessity, you, you kind of cast yourself. I like what, that. The farm connection, I had never heard that. And then, of course, I heard that a lot in, in, in filming Percy because we shot on, on, on a real farm with, with a sixth-generation lovely farm family. And, um, you know, we, we really learned to, to the, the film was shot in, in, as nature dictated, not as a production schedule dictated. Yeah, makes sense. Well, I yeah. want to uh, definitely recommend Percy. I got an opportunity to see the film. I really enjoyed it. You crafted a very powerful true-life story. It never feels like uh, like a movie. It, it feels a little bit more like a documentary at times. Is that something you were going for? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I always like to tell stories that way. I mean, I like to, I don't, I don't tend to get too fancy with stuff. And, and the, the, we had to use the transcripts a lot because of, uh, you know, uh, dealings with lawyers, et cetera. And, and so, and, and because it's a true story and, and a true perspective, we couldn't deviate too much from, oh, and then, then Percy Schmeiser gets in a helicopter and flies to, no, we, we had yeah. to stick to, you know, the actual events. So it, it made, it lent itself more to a documentary style because it kind of was. Yeah, absolutely. And again, a very, very powerful film. And uh, we should definitely recommend that everybody check it on out. And of course, shot uh, in and around Manitoba. It's always great to uh, check out films that are shot here as well. Uh, yeah. Clark, will you come back and shoot something in the future here? I would be happy to, you know, uh, uh, Christina Ricci and both her and Luke Montpellier, my DP, have shot, they shot three films in a row there. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw me again. I, 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 here's my shout out to my, my uh, Winnipeg-based crew and cast. And uh, I'd love to come. We wanted to bring the film out and have a cast and crew screening at that fabulous Park Theater. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm forgetting where it is. but it, it's, On Osborne there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, we were going to have a cast and crew there, but, uh, you know. COVID hit and now we're just sort of 
streaming yeah. everywhere. Doing the best we can. Well, fortunately, people can still see this fine film, and I think uh, that's uh, certainly the important thing. So, Clark, I want to thank you very, very much for joining us here on Ultrasonic Film. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's getting released uh, theatrically uh, in, in limited capacity by, by my dear friends at Mongrel Films. I think uh, Winnipeg's going to have a screen for us, so it'll it'll be, you know, it'll be out there. Hopefully, uh, people can watch it socially distant, but in a movie theater. Awesome. Well, thank you very, very much for joining us once again, there, Clark. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Okay, thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. Say, kids, what is it up in the sky? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's one hundred one point five UM FM. He's made of tough blue plastic and has a bright red cape that fits on his shoulders. Okay, we're back here. You're listening to Ultrasonic Film. I've got a guest, Scott Fitzpatrick, here. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always great to uh, chat, and it's great to have you here on the show. Of course, I could be chatting with you about any number of the various festivals that you're involved with, but uh, right now we want to talk about Windex, right? Absolutely, yeah. The Windex Festival of Moving Image, uh, which is running this year from October 7 to 11 uh, online for our first time. Yeah, and uh, I, of course, moving online is something that worked very, very well with uh, the other festival that you're associated with, the Gimli Film Festival. They uh, did theirs entirely online as well. Absolutely, yeah, and I kind of uh, was uh, uh, of the key kind of tech team, one of the members of the tech team that, uh, that managed taking that festival online, along with uh, their festival director, obviously, Aaron Zeggers, and another collaborator of mine who's actually working with me on Windex, uh, Colby Richardson. So, uh, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been hanging out in this space for a while and uh, actually also just uh, uh, or did the live stream for the Send and Receive concert last night. If anybody, or We're recording this on October 3rd, so if anybody caught that on October 2nd, uh, that, 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 uh, that concert was really, really great as well. So, yeah, lots of events uh, going online right now, but there's uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of really cool things that we're figuring out how to do in this new space. I would imagine that uh, the experience of doing it through the Gimli Film Festival what gives you great uh, kind of hit the ground running experience for making sure that Windex works out okay. Yeah, absolutely. The Gimli Film Festival was a gauntlet of, of fantastic programming. <laughs> we showed, I think it was 21 programs over five days live streaming. And uh, so it was a lot. We, uh, we learned a whole bunch and uh, really excited to try out um, some more ambitious kind of uh, performance, uh, performance events with Windex, uh, kind of more elaborate, complicated uh, t tech setups than we had uh, with Gimli. So definitely still a lot to, to learn and be figuring out, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. And uh, it's been really, really uh, an interesting experience and process working with the artists who we've invited into this space, because uh, one of the problems we are not necessarily a problem, but a conversation we had early on in planning the festival this year was, you know, how do we go about inviting artists moving image or film uh, artists into this kind of weird digital space actually asking them to perform on a live stream right if that's, not, if that's not really their practice already or not something that they do um and so just yeah figuring out ways to maneuver that uh strangeness and and uh, just yeah a lot of learning but it's 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 been really fun Sounds good. Before we talk about Windex, there is a couple of things I want to touch base with you on. Uh, besides the Gimli Film Festival and it Windex that you're involved with, you're also involved with the Underground Film Festival as well. Yeah, the Winnipeg Underground Film Festival uh, is uh, is was kind of a baby of mine. Uh, me and, <laughs> and uh, Aaron Zeggers and Travis Cole founded that back in 2013, and I uh, kind of led the, the the programming there for a, a long while. But uh, I, now, as we're discussing, I, I am programming with the Windex Festival of Moving Image, so have moved on from Winnipeg Underground Film Festival. But uh, still, really excited to see what uh, what those kids are up to. They're now being led by Alyssa Bourne and Megan Elizabeth Diamond, uh, who are all. all also excellent artists in their own right in the community. And uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it's fun to see that project kind of taking on a new life. Absolutely. And of course, uh, you knew I was probably going to mention this through the uh, Gimli Film Festival and Manitoba Movie Night. You recently mm -hmm. highlighted a uh, favorite local film of mine, if I'm allowed to have favorites, uh, FM Youth. Yeah. Uh, is is actually I, I know you're a big fan of this film and I am too and there was recently an online showing of it as well as a very rock solid uh, chat afterwards with the cast and crew. 
Yeah, that I got to be, I was lucky to be the one who got to lead that. Um, yeah, that was really, really fun. The Manitoba Movie Night is a series that we're showing with the Gimli Film Festival uh, right now on the 20th of every month, all year, um, or, or rather not all year. We started this in March, but uh, every month since since uh, March or April, we're showing a, a, a Manitoban film, usually a feature film, but uh, we'll have some short films coming up in this series. Cool. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah, the other day, the other uh, week we got to show FM Youth, which you're totally allowed to pick favorites because I pick favorites. And <laughs> I think it's totally one of my favorite film, like feature films in particular. I think I think it's like um, it's such a subtle movie and, and really is. modest, but I think it's like really really sophisticated and kind of didn't really I don't think got the got the attention that it should have that it should have received and uh, and I don't know it was kind of like underappreciated by a lot of. Uh, a lot of people who saw it, I think it's like, oh, I, I love that movie. Yeah, I was glad you got to catch that combo. Absolutely. I quite agree. Uh, of course, it's difficult for me to pick favorites because I interview all the local <laughs> filmmakers on my show. But that being said, uh, there's a there's a rawness to it, a, a realistic nature of it. And yet it's, it's so simple. It's beautifully uh, done. It never seems staged or forced or anything. And uh, I've rewatched it several times myself. So I would definitely say it is a personal favorite. Yeah, it's a great movie. Awesome. Now, of course, coming up with Windex, uh, I want to hear about a lot of the films that you guys got programmed there and a lot of the events that you're going to be doing. Yeah, totally. So, um, I, I like I mentioned to the folks listening, we're recording this on October 3rd, but uh, you're hearing it, I guess, on October 10th. So we're, I'm actually feeling great because we're two days into the festival and everything's going so well. Uh, <laughs> cool. So far, events have just been um, incredible. I've every, <laughs> all, all, all two of them. But um, so, yeah, I guess if you're hearing this on October uh, October 10th, then um, uh, is that the date this is airing? You said uh, this actually we are now going to be airing on out on October 8th. Right, you had to, uh, for, right, sorry, the 8th. So no, yeah, you, you would still be catching uh, potentially the 9th, 10th, and 11th of October programming that we have at Windex, which is uh, some really fantastic stuff you can see. And uh, yeah, talking about the films that we're showing, um, one of the conversations that we kind of had really early on was um, how I didn't think that this was like a really exciting opportunity to just translate what we normally do at Windex, which is uh, show a lot of short film programs and uh, thematic experimental short film programs from an open call that we do, um, mm -hmm. just in a different mode. Like a, we usually get to do this in a theater and it's a beautiful thing that we get to do, but uh, just doing, showing those kinds of programs online didn't seem like the most creative way to uh, handle this adjustment, having to move online. So right. we really placed an emphasis on commissioning artists to enter into this uh, kind of online streaming space in a performative way. So uh, the festival more, more than ever has a real emphasis on performance live, uh, live online performance. So on Friday night at 7 p.m., uh, one of the highlights, kind of the our marquee uh, show we're doing is a, a local artist, Annie Beach, who I think is a really remarkable uh, emerging young artist who's uh, going to be huge. I think everybody who knows Annie and knows Annie's work knows that she's really uh, going to be something really uh, significant in her practice. And she's showing uh, a live performance where she's adopting this uh, persona, this pseudonym of Sweet Prairie Passion, who is a country singer who uh, performs around Turtle Island, uh, singing kind of Western uh, country favorites and regaling us about tales of her experience. And this is the Wanted Red and Alive tour. And uh, the performance is like, it's it's so good. I got to see a, an early version of it uh, where she performed it over Zoom earlier this year. And it was a kind of like a, an early proto version of what we're going to get to do at Windex. And um, it's both really funny and fun and approachable, but also really, really sharp and uh, uh, critical. And it's engaged with um, you know, conversations about race and representation and, and uh, how that's reflected in pop culture, but doing it in a way that's like really fun and punk and light. And it's like my favorite kind of thing. So I hope people can tune into that. And that's a really exciting thing to get to do with a local performer. Um, and then on Saturday night, I cannot believe we get to do this, but we have a, a, a live digital concert with Beverly Glenn Copeland, who's uh, totally exploding right now. Cool. And uh, yeah, I can't believe our fortune that we, we booked this concert earlier this year. And since then, Glenn has just like been written about in the New York Times and the New Yorker and uh, Pitchfork's finally reviewing his stuff. And uh, yeah, we get to show a live digital concert. We've got, we've bought Glenn a green screen and had it shipped to his studio in New Brunswick. And, cool. Uh, Local artist, I think a lot of locals, one of their favorite artists, Leslie Supnet, is contributing live animated visuals 
uh, to exist in and around Glenn's performance. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm still floored that we get to do this. I can't believe it. And I'm so excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, of course, Windex isn't your standard straightforward film festival. You guys are playing a lot with images, with motions, really trying to get the essence of film and kind of be a little experimental at the same time. Yeah, well, like I said, when we talked earlier this year about moving the festival online, I kind of, one of the early ways that I entered that conversation was like, you know, saying that this isn't the Windex Film Festival. Uh, <laughs> by it's the Windex Festival of Moving Image. And uh, we talked about Woof, which is a festival that I founded yeah. uh, with uh, my collaborators. But Windex, I've just come into in the last couple of years, and it has a really long lineage of people who've built it, built it up and uh, really exceptional artists and programmers who've worked with the festival over the years. And so it's, I think it's important for uh, Shimbi and I, my co-director Shimbi, um, for us to think about the, you know, the legacy that we're inheriting and uh, asking questions like that. Like, what does it mean to be a festival of moving image? This is something that the, it was branded as before we got here. So um, we wanted to explore different ways of, of what that means. You know, it's not just short films and it's certainly not just short films uh, programmed online. But, but that said, we, we also found this as a good opportunity to um, open up some space for outside curatorial voices to show short film programs. So um, uh, on the, the Thursday opening our festival, which uh, would have been, or uh, not opening the second day of our festival, which would be the day that this is airing, so you would have missed it. Uh, but we had a program uh, of uh, films by a collective called Ismismism. It's an LA Film Forum project showing a, a selection of experimental films by Latin American women filmmakers. And on Saturday uh, afternoon at 1 p.m., you can still see uh, we have a program of contemporary video art from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, uh, cu uh, curated by the Addis Video Art Festival. And uh, so, yeah, a really good opportunity to kind of like open up space for some outside curatorial voices. And uh, yeah, so we're showing a, a range. I hope we show a range of what like moving image means to us. It certainly sounds like you've got content from all over the world. Do you have content from various different places as well? Yeah, absolutely, uh, which is really fun. Like I say, we get to engage with Beverly Glenn Copeland, who's out in New Brunswick um, and is an artist who, if we weren't moving online, I don't think we'd be able to do an event with. So um, cool. it's that's exciting to be able to do. And yeah, the, the AVAF, the Eddie's Video Art Festival program we're showing, we're screening that at 1 p.m. on Saturday, Central Time, for folks in Manitoba. Uh, but that means that it also gets to air at... Uh, 7 p.m. in Addis Ababa, which is really cool uh, that they get to have the, the evening screening of that program there. And we'll be doing a Q&A with some artists showing work in that program. So it's definitely opened up. Uh, an, it's allowing us to collaborate more internationally without necessarily flying people in. Um, uh, and yeah, that's really exciting. We have uh, folks tuning in from all over the place. We've, we've got uh, a couple other initiatives that uh, um, we'll have taken place already or be taking place now, uh, educational uh, initiatives. One particularly exciting one was we set up studio visits uh, available to Manitoban artists uh, nice. to, to show their work to a number of established artists across Canada. And we had folks from, uh, we had Leslie Supnit providing that service in, in Winnipeg, uh, Charlene Bamboat uh, from Toronto, and Eve Tajni, I, I believe is in Montreal, and, uh, and Janine Freyna-Julie, who's on the, the West Coast. And so it was uh, really cool to draw on all these Canadians across the country. Yeah. Certainly sounds good. Now, speaking, of course, about Manitoba artists, I would imagine uh, being involved with Wolf, the Winnipeg Underground Film Festival, now uh, moving on to Windex, and of course, being involved with the Gimli Film Festival. <laughs> and one of the things I really enjoy about uh, doing this show and talking to so many people is there's a lot of familiar faces. There are people that have been working in film and on film for years, and I would imagine you, you work with a lot of the same people in and around these different organizations, and you can kind of see, see them develop as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's been like, that's totally been one of the most rewarding things that I've got to do as a programmer, uh, particularly when you're working with locals and especially coming from a festival like Woof, which is pretty modest and has always been really DIY. Mm -hmm. um, getting to offer that as a platform to emerging artists in Manitoba has been amazing and just feels really, really good. And then getting to see people, yeah, their practices grow and evolve. Like, uh, um, like I, I, I was lucky to get to pro uh, program Davis Plett, who's one of my favorite local artists um, at both Wolf and Windex. And uh, their practice has just like grown so 
much and it's just been amazing to watch and uh, yeah getting to program Annie Beach and uh, and also Leslie Supnet who's been you know doing this longer than I have and is like a, a, a somebody that I've like been inspired by and looked up to for forever so um, it's yeah it's it's great being able to to program people that you uh, that you like and, and respect in your community and from all across the world it's it's a really it's a privilege Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, Windex, as you mentioned, you've just joined in the last little while, but it's actually been around for a while. Yeah, this is the 15th Windex Festival of Moving Image. Uh, wow. First one online, but it is the number 15 all around. And um, unfortunately, it's our first year without a One Take Super 8 event. Yeah. Um, we, just, we, we had a bunch of discussions about it and uh, just didn't imagine that event living online and being right. So we, uh, we decided not to do it, which bums me out because it's one of my favorite things in the world. And uh, to have the first year that we don't have one beyond my watch felt kind of rough. But uh, we, we are having a, a kind of a, 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 a pseudo one-take event on, uh, in collaboration with the Gimli Film Festival, actually. On October 20th, nice. uh, Manitoba Movie Night, which you brought up earlier, uh, Windex and Gimli Film Festival will be uh, co-presenting the one-take Super 8 films of Gwen Trutnow, who uh, has, uh, Gwen's made a one-take almost every year since the festival has been running the event. So I think like 13 or 14 one-takes she's made for this event, and they're all fantastic. And so it's like, we're using this as an opportunity to show a retrospective of those and uh, some like uh, B-sides and rarities kind of videos too. Uh, so that should be really good. Okay, as we mentioned, we're airing out on the 8th in the evening, but um, I'm going to ask you the tough question, which is always toughest for programmers, for festival directors. What are some of uh, the events you're most looking forward to checking out yourself personally, uh, for oh. the, moving on from the 8th? Well, I've already done, a, I, I mentioned Annie and, and Beverly Glenn Copeland, who are probably my, my highlights, particularly like I, it's a dream that we get to do this Beverly Glenn Copeland concert. So I really hope everybody watches that. But we're closing out our festival on Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central with a performance by Joshua Gensalons, who's one of my favorite uh, American artists working with like analog film, but also a lot of video and just like processing these things together in really aggressive ways. And uh, he's doing a live stream performance for us that's, uh, totally, totally going to be mind blowing and exciting to end the festival with. And that's in collaboration with Send and Receive, who we really love. Uh, so I, I hope people tune into that one uh, as well. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's not hard for me to pick. It's, but it's Beverly Glenn Copeland concert. Uh, I'm like, I like, I got to see, I got to see Glenn perform at the West End Cultural Center a couple of years ago when he was in, in Winnipeg. And I know, I hope uh, whoever got to see that show tunes in. Cause like, I mean, I, that show changed my life, I think. And I, I can't believe we get to do this show. So yeah, Saturday at 6 PM, uh, please tune in to see Leslie Supnet and Beverly Glenn Copeland uh, and visit windex.org. It's WNDX.org to read about our whole program because everything we're showing is really great. We have a feature film on Friday night at 9 PM, no data plan that's really good. And just uh, everything, everything that we're showing, I, I hope people can see because uh, we're really proud of the program we got this year. Sounds good. Of course, I, I have to ask the question. A lot of theaters have reopened with social distancing in place. We're, with events like the Gimli Film Festival and Windex, do you see that kind of moving forward or is online uh, always going to be a component? What do you think? Yeah, that's a really interesting conversation to have. And I've been having with, uh, you know, leaders of other organizations like this, like, uh, Imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, what does it mean to suddenly be more accessible beyond your geography, your immediate region, um, and or to folks who, you know, uh, who might not have been able to get to your venue in the past, this kind of thing. Um, and do you take that away? Like, uh, I think live streaming and showing things online is something I think Windex would like to continue doing. Um, I mean, we're, we're excited with all the stuff we get to do this year online. So it makes sense to continue exploring this. But uh, yeah, I hope, we get, I hope we get back to some in-person events soon. Um, I'm not sure what they'll look like. Uh, already thinking about next year and whether we're planning to do an online festival or a in-person festival or a hybrid festival. And these are like really unknowable kind of things. Um, it's hard to think, it's hard to think that far ahead these days really. But, um, Absolutely. But, uh, I, I would say what would probably make sense would be a hybrid sort of some on uh, some in-person events and some online because online as you mentioned it's yeah. wonderful that you've got the access to have people that you might not normally be able to fly in to yeah. do I mean that's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's, uh, it was on October 2nd, uh, the send and receive concert that, uh, that I, I uh, helped put on with the live stream. 
um, was originally, it was a hybrid event that was a plan to be at the Bijou patio, but then the, the, the Manitoba provincial regulations changed that, that weekend before and had to move entirely online. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a stressful thing already to plan events and plan cultural events and, uh, and wrangle these things because it is, you know, it's the, the folks who do this work, you know, it's, it's not the most like high paying gig. People are, you burn out pretty fast doing this kind of stuff sometimes. And, and then, yeah, having to do pivot like this when you, you know, you think you can do a hybrid event and then maybe you can't at the last minute. It's, it's, uh, it's just hard. It's hard planning events these days, not being able to see that far in the future, but uh, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> it's yeah, worth and, it. and more, more uh, power to you. I, I think it's great that you guys are, are continuing forward with these events. You're not canceling them. Like so many events have been canceled. You guys are moving forward. And then I think that's just great. Yeah, if you can figure it out, you should, you know, give it a shot, figure it out as best you can. <laughs> awesome. Now, please tell everyone where they can go to get tickets and more information for Windex again. Well, tickets you have already. Everything's free. Everything at Windex online this year is free. And uh, this is something we're hoping to do going forward in the future is just uh, having a free programming model for Windex. But at least this year, we know for sure everything's free. So just tune into Windex.org and everything will be playing on that website. And you can read all about our programming at that website. That's WNDX.org. Um, yeah. WNDX. It's a, it's, you got a really cool spelling there. Yes, pronounce Windex if you don't. <laughs> it's not immediately obvious, but <laughs> yeah, WNDX.org. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope people can tune in. Uh, absolutely. I hope so too. And Scott, I want to thank you very, very much for joining us here on the show and uh, telling us all about Windex. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory. The original lands of the Anishinaabeg, Nahiawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Okay, and now we're chatting with Ron Lambert of Real Pride. Ron, I want to welcome you back to Ultrasonic Film. Thank you very much, James. It's nice to be back on the air at UMFM with yourself and Ultrasonic Film. It, it is great to have you back. Of course, I've known you for years, uh, both through Real Pride and the Gimli Film Festival. You've been involved uh, for many years in, uh, uh, in Winnipeg here, haven't you? Yes, that's right. And, uh, you know, it continues on this year. Uh, certainly, with going back to Gimli Film Festival, I'm very pleased that they were able to have a Gimli Film Festival on demand using Eventive. And from what I understand, it was very successful. And uh, we also use the Eventive uh, platform for our Real Pride online uh, on-demand service. And we're just in the process of setting it up now. Um, if I look at it now i can see most of our 24 films are up there and we're just starting to get most of the uh short films and the short film competition listed so we're uh ready to go for next week but it's been out this way just making it under the wire absolutely ron and i think that's wonderful because unlike other film other festivals like the fringe festival or the folk festival who have to cancel a lot of their showings obviously because they're live the Gimli Film Festival and of course now Real Pride have managed to move online in these cautious times and they're actually able to keep the festivals going. I think one of the advantages both the Gimli Film Festival and we have in, in Manitoba uh, is that there's a synergy between some of the people behind the Gimli Film Festival and the Real Pride and they're willing to share information on uh, how they did it and the successes uh, so that when we start doing our uh, setup, we are able to uh, not have the major pitfalls that a lot of people would have had. So we've actually managed to get a, a lot of our um, information on the website very quickly, uh, which I'm pleased. And anybody looking at the website, by the way, which is under realpride.eventive.org slash um, uh, welcome or films, uh, then you'll be able to see it. You can also get to it by realpride.org and then follow the, uh, the appropriate buttons. But I, what I am pleased about is the, uh, is the setup. Um, online, I think, is a very helpful way for us to extend our, our viewing audience. Uh, if we can't get them in the theater, then that's uh, the next best thing. We're very lucky to do that. I know that, uh, for example, in, in the uh, music world, people are 
trying anything they can to do something over the internet. Uh, what better platform than films to have our uh, audience reach us over the internet? And I think films are probably the, the best uh, of all the options available right now. And I don't know about the other people in the other film festivals, how they're doing. Uh, I think a lot of them now are going online from what I've seen. Uh, right. And I, I think a lot of them are finding that they're able to reach out to a much greater audience and they can reach that audience at their time of viewing instead of just a time of viewing. I know that, for example, with the Gimli Film Festival, they had certain times that you had to watch um, your film. And mm -hmm. the Real Pride Film Festival, it's any time during the, the uh, week that we have our Real Pride Film Festival on. So in that way, Excellent. it's much better. And I think that's a, a real bonus uh, for anybody who has a, a pass, for example, at $50, you can watch uh, and look at the film uh, with um, a viewing party in your house if you want. And, uh, and uh, the nice thing about it is uh, you can watch one or two and then if you want, go on to the next um, uh, film or call it quits and uh, come back to it uh, later on that day or next day, whenever you wish. That's great. It gives you ultimate control over the uh, festival itself. So uh, yep. for those that are unaware, can you tell the folks out there what is Real Pride and how long have you guys been in existence? Well, th this is our 35th anniversary. We originally the Winnipeg Gay and Lesbian Film Society, and that's actually our incorporated name. But we are now uh, in our 35th uh, celebration year, and this is one of the motivations that we had. We just couldn't see ourselves not celebrating 35 years. Yeah. It's also the 17th year for the Canadian LGBTQ uh, short films competition uh, wow. this year. And so we've got two uh, things that we really wanted to make sure that we were hosting this year. One was the 35th anniversary. And to do that, uh, we've got 24 films. And um, I'll tell you, it's a wide range of uh, LGBTQ films that we've got. Um, and some of them are historical. Some of them are cutting edge in the nine, in 19 and 20, uh, meaning 2020, right. 2019. Uh, film editions and uh, some of them are actually uh, being uh, showcased right now in many other theaters around uh, North America. Well, that, I, I think that's fantastic there, Ron. And uh, so uh, what exactly is your position with Real Pride as well? Okay, so I'm on the board of directors, uh, been on there since 2013 and uh, 2013. And I'm also uh, chairing the uh, short films competition and uh, that's a major uh, undertaking as you can imagine uh, both oh, yeah. with getting the call out and then screening all the submissions that come in and then making the final selection. <laughs> we had 26 commissions uh, submissions this year uh, and that was on a very short call notice. Uh, the call notice normally goes out in March or April. Of course March and April we all just looked at everything and said hold it we'll just wait until the COVID passes over and then we'll right. ramp it up again in May or June. Well, May or June came along and uh, we still couldn't do anything. And we thought, well, there's no way that we're gonna be able to do anything with the traditional in-house theater uh, presentation that we would do at the Gas Station Arts Theater down in Osborne and River. So I right. thought, or sorry, Stradbrook. So I thought that uh, we should look at online. I was starting to see the Gimli Film Festival going online. I thought maybe we should take a look at online and see the platform they're using and maybe take a look at it. And other people thought, okay, great, let's keep in contact with what they're doing. And that's how the whole ball started for us to move in online because we were monitoring what was happening with Gimli. Uh, and Gimli was probably one of the first film festivals because they're earlier and before TIFF. Right. In Toronto. Uh, they are probably one of the first in Canada to do this. I know the Vancouver uh, International Film Festival is just happening. And, uh, you know, obviously it's much later. Uh, so I think Gimli, uh, kudos to them, uh, set the pace for everybody who wanted to have an online film festival. Absolutely. You know, and it's great that uh, Manitoba is one big happy family where they can uh, kind of open their doors and help you guys out and show you basically how to do this and sort of uh, set the tone for it. And I, and I think that's great. So um, logistically, how does it work? Do people buy a pass for the Real Pride Festival? Obviously, they go to realpride.org and kind of go on from there, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, you can buy a festival pass at $50 plus, uh, I think it's $350 uh, service fees or individual tickets at uh, $10 plus, um, I think it's $125 service fees. So an individual uh, uh, 
movie tickets are geo-block for Manitoba only, mm-hmm. as, as is a pass. The only exception is the uh, two areas. One is the uh, best of the international LGBTQ uh, commercials for 2020, and that's worldwide. That is available worldwide and is free for anybody. You don't need to uh, to actually uh, get a pass for that. And then, of course, the uh, short film competition. I've asked that it be uh, geo-block for all of Canada because we have filmmakers submitting from all of Canada, and I want to make sure that they themselves and their friends and associates and uh, people they could get interested get online and do the voting because after they've watched all 12 they'll then be able to do a vote and once they do a vote they can uh, uh, tally it up uh, for at, at the end of it all and uh, we'll see which one of the films is awarded the audience choice award and uh, that's very important for two reasons number one they'll get the william white william f white thousand uh, dollar uh in-kind uh, sponsorship for mm-hmm. uh, for a loan of equipment and they'll also be getting the uh three uh fifty three hundred and fifty dollar uh real pride uh cash prize for the anniversary plus they're also going to be getting new this year the royal bank our title sponsor our rbc's uh, people's choice award and that's for five hundred dollars and that's oh. all because the audience has voted for the top uh, film now the jury uh, will vote also for their top film and of course, they uh, will be getting the uh, uh, William White, uh, William F. White Prize, along with the real prize of three hundred fifty dollars. Plus, uh, the top Manitoba film will be getting uh, a prize from the Winnipeg Film Group um, of a year's uh, membership and use of uh, certain uh, kinds of uh, production equipment. Awesome. Well, that, we, well, that four, really we good. by the way, four, sorry, James, four of the Manitoba films in the short film competition. Uh, four of the films in our 12 uh, are eligible for this uh, voting uh, for the Manitoba short, and that's decided Excellent. by the jury. Yeah, so we're pretty pleased. We actually had eight submitted from Manitoba, so that was good. Very Absolute, good. Absolutely. Now, you know I'm going to make this difficult for you and ask you to recommend some specific films, which, of course, being involved with the programming is very difficult to pick and choose which ones to kind of put out there. But, what, Ron, what has really caught your eye this year? Okay. One of the one of the, there's a few historical films in I think given like the, that we're in the Black Lives Matter movement and other things happening historically, historical uh, documentary films, especially with archival footage, is absolutely essential uh, for you to understand the whole movements in Stonewall and before Stonewall. So ahead of the curve is a very interesting. Uh, film and it's getting our premieres uh, in quite a few uh, movie houses for LGBTQ uh, film festivals. Um, It's about Franco Stevens launching the magazine Curb, which was the best-selling lesbian magazine ever published. Ahead of the Curb tracks the power of lesbian visibility and community from the early 90s to the present day through the story of Franco's founding of Curb magazine. Decades later, in the wake of a disabling, a disabling injury, Franco learns that the curve will fold within a year and questions the relevance of the magazine in face of the accelerated threats to LGBTQ community. Well, that sounds, that sounds really good, Ron. It's kind of like well, a history lesson as well. That, that's one. The other one that I would really recommend along with it is called Cured. Cured, C-U-R-E-D, is uh, from a very difficult time for LGBTQ people in the early uh, history of, uh, of this past uh, uh, century. And that was when the American Psychiatrics Association uh, made homosexuality a mental illness. And there was an attempt by uh, uh, an individual uh, to remove this from the list of mental illness starting in 1973. And there's archival footage uh, of a gang about this, um, much like there was archival footage uh, with uh, a film that we had a couple of years ago, which was pa- uh, Killing Patient Zero. And that's the film, by, right. by the way, and I'm rambling a little, but that's the film that the Real Pride sponsored at Gimli Film Festival two years ago. I remember and the Killing film. Patient, yeah, Killing Patient Zero uh, was about the first person who had the AIDS virus. Right. So, if you look at Killing Patient Zero and how well that was documented, 
Okay, it's almost like a James Burns uh, documentation on on PBS, if you know what I'm talking about. And so Cured follows the same thing, the same kind of pattern of in-depth, and you get to a certain point, two-thirds away, when you think you finally got the message, and then all of a sudden, bam, something hits you in the face that you didn't didn't expect. So uh, Cured is definitely a a highly recommended uh, um, uh, film. Another film I... I would really recommend is, uh, and I'm just looking over the other ones. Uh, there's so many of them uh, that I like, uh, but I think another one is uh, Pure Kids. And I like Pure Kids because it talks about the homeless kids, mm-hmm. homeless queer kids and trans kids of color hanging out at Christopher, Christopher Pier in New York. And they're trying to find a chosen, their own chosen family instead of the family that uh, kicked them out. Well, that sounds good. It sounds like you've got a couple that, of different ones to recommend as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That Again, that's a 2019 film. And I think that all of these films that I've just talked about uh, from uh, Cured, and Cured is a 2020 film just yeah. released. And uh, if I look at Head of the Curve, it's another 2020 film. I'm amazed that some of these films have actually come out so in, uh, late in the year. Mm-hmm. When they could have come out earlier, but I know what's happened. The people who did the post-production and, and whatever they, they had to do in the, in the post-editing uh, probably were hampered by COVID. Absolutely. And, so, and you know, it's a new world and, uh, and these uh, films and distribution and film festivals are certainly adjusting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, as, as I mentioned, a new world. I got to ask you quickly, Ron. Um, the uh are you guys going to have any q a's with directors i noticed that the gimli film fest did some of that are you going to have some directors uh via online capabilities as well we're not sure yet uh we'll announce that we'll announce that when we can there's one that is interesting interested in doing a dialogue with us whether it'll be recorded with us i don't think it'll be a live q a because obviously we don't have a fixed show time Right, but one of the one of the directors we're talking about uh, in doing this is uh, from 2020. It's called A Worm in the Heart, and mm-hmm. it's a, uh, from the Russian Federation. Awesome. A Worm in the Heart details the lives and stories from LGBTQ community across Russia, shot in six cities along the Trans-Siberian Railway. And again, this is a 2020 film. Well, so none of these none of these have made made it on TV yet. Uh, you're, if you want to see them first, you got to go to the Real Pride uh, Film Festival to do it. Okay, and uh, people can look up Real Pride, Google Real Pride, but of course, going to realpride.org is probably the best, right? Yeah, it sure is. And then from that, you'll get uh, a link where it says Virtual Festival. Virtual Festival is in the middle of the page, uh, middle page, and click on Virtual Festival, and that'll take you to the Eventive page, which is realpride.eventive.org, and that'll uh, get you there too. Ron, I I wanna thank you very much for joining us here on the show and letting us know all about Real Pride there. Is there anything else you'd like to quickly mention before you go? Geo-blocking to Manitoba means everybody in Manitoba, and especially your listeners that listened online, can get it anywhere in Manitoba. They can um, get their uh, individual tickets or they can buy a, a pass. And of course, it's valid from the 13th of October until the 18th. Uh, that's from a Tuesday to the 18th Sunday. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ron. And I wish you all the luck, uh, best of luck there with the uh, Real Pride Film Festival. And thanks once again for joining us here on the show. Okay. Thanks very much. And stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy.